When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here is Husker 24-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. It's like, I mean, it's like when I, when I was in South Carolina last year, if I thought of the Big Ten, it's what it is. I mean, big, strong, physical uh, the defenses are unbelievably sound, and they make you work for everything. The details of you know getting the ball out and just playing third down defense, red zone defense is just it's very impressive. I think the coaching is you know at a very high level in this league, and the players are. I mean, there's no it's there's no question. This is one of the toughest leagues in the country, and week in week out, having to play these defenses is grueling, mentally and physically. As we kick off our number two here on Herd at Sports Radio, I'm Robbie Lula, Andrew Rogers. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And we are joined now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline by Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7. BC, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? What's up, BC? Oh, we are, you know, just living the dream over here, having a good time. Just getting breaking news that Deshaun Watson's not playing football anymore this year. I'm sure that's very surprising to everyone uh, since he didn't play a whole lot of football uh, before this this year. But, um, BC, want to hop into the Nebraska, uh, some of the comments we've heard from Nebraska coaches this week. And, you know, uh, going back to Rule, I believe it was on Monday, and kind of the way he insisted that everything – be put on him in terms of the uh, criticism and responsibility. Like on the one hand, I appreciate that from a head coach. He's not throwing anybody under the bus. He's taking accountability. But on the other hand, like we all know as grown adults, like certain things are not directly his fault, right? Like are they under his purview as head coach? Sure. But like quarterback development specifically really falls more under Satterfield than Rule. I guess how do you kind of take those comments as someone who understands what's going on on a little bit more granular level that it's like, yeah, okay, we can blame Rule for hiring Satterfield or whatever, but at the end of the day, we know he's not the one in charge of what we're seeing. Well, first off, um, it's just smart head coaching to not take that public you know like sure. and sure. yeah so what so what he said um makes a lot of sense and also i don't know in private that there's a there's a big uh clash between what's going on either or anything like that because i this staff is so intertwined and i knew when he hired the guys he did when you looked at their resumes and their track records and how far they went back together um that when rule speaks of that day-to-day process 
um, the guys he hired is a staff that he's willing and wanting to take it on for a while with. It's not going to be just like a, in, I don't think in very few cases would it ever be like a one-year adventure somewhere, or, um, maybe even a two-year adventure. I don't know. I, I just think he has enough of a belief in how they operate and how um, they're trying to complement each other, even though they're not, that um, I really think he he uh, has great respect for all of his coaches and, and sort of how they're going about things. And I know on the outside, when we're looking in, Right now, you're looking at the offensive numbers, and let's see, you know, they're 126 in passing offense, 114th in total offense, 118th in scoring offense. So it's frustrating. And then you see that QB play, and um, obviously there's going to be heavy critiques of, you know, the coach who is leading that room. And so that just goes with the business. They understand that, too, and that should that that's part of it as well. So um, I, I just think uh, on Monday he set the tone that these are my guys. We're going to keep rolling with these guys. And um, for that idea that that was maybe going to be a discussion two or three weeks from now about, okay, what's Rule doing with his OC and stuff like that, it's just not on the table. So I thought in a way he kind of slid in there that that's not a conversation right now. I realize outside the walls you're going to critique and do whatever you want to say about how it's going, and that's fair. But but this is this is a – process that we believe in so I, I felt like that's what was trying to be established there uh, BC I, I agree with you that the Satterfield thing or moving on from Satterfield was never going to be a conversation do you think it's going to be a conversation though about hiring a separate quarterback coach in the offseason well you never know um, I would never say never on that um, not with inside insight about some direction they're leaning um, within their staff they'll have to decide, you know, Josh Martin was kind of on an interim basis um, at the tight end spot. And I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying if, if we're going to have this conversation, you know, you don't, you know, you don't know what they're going to do there. Um, after he, he filled in this year, he might just stay in that post, but maybe not. And you can move some things. I don't know if that's a possibility. Um, if it is, you know, last year, um, about this time in December, we thought for a bit, for a week or so, that Satterfield was actually going to coach the tight ends and there would actually be a, a different QB coach. So when you ask that question, it triggers my mind back to 10 or 11 months ago and at least n- knows that that's, that's Jake, a possibility. Jake that that Peets, baby. Jake Peets. <laughs> Bring him home. <laughs> BC, uh, you talk about one-year adventures, and I'm going to go to the other side, maybe in a more positive direction, but uh, could be looked at as you know a, a negative question to ask. Um, I don't know how much you've been following the coaching carousel or at least riding the wave like we are over here, but mm-hmm. uh, with jobs uh, opening up now more and more and uh, with, with certain locations being, we'll, we'll just call them enticing, maybe for the defensive coordinator at, at Nebraska, um, is it a worry to you at all that the UCLA job popped up? Because I think to me that's the one, or could pop up. I don't want to say it's popped up just yet because we we haven't officially seen Chip Kelly out in out at UCLA. But with UCLA transitioning to the Big Ten and Tony White being a former player at UCLA, does that uh, worry you at all? As like, mm, like if there was any job to pop up, I didn't want it to be this one. 
it doesn't worry me because it's one of those deals where if UCLA, if that head coaching job were open and they offered Tony White, you just have to say congratulations. You know, it's like because that's like a different level. I mean, if if he if he got a power five uh, uh, head coaching job put in front of him, yes, it would be a blow to what Nebraska has been trying to establish. But there's really nothing you can do about that. It's more the ones I think about. Like, is there any other job out there? that's on a similar level as far as title, you know, DC, uh, associate head coach type of positions somewhere else that you have to compete against. And if there's that sort of thing that's out there or they sniff that that's out there, and I'm sure they, if they'd have those conversations face to face, I would do whatever it took to match and go beyond and keep Tony white in that seat. Um, but your question, your question is a good one, uh, Andrew, because it brings attention to just another thing that's out there and how you got to hang on to the the bar on this ride now, because we're now entering those weeks and months. Um, but that one in itself, I would I would just tip my hat into Tony if that happened and be like, congrats, man. You know, like if 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 he got it, it would be it would be tough. But I do want them um, if there's any job that is viewed as lateral or the same as far as defensive coordinator wise i really hope nebraska can win that standoff understanding the importance of of what he's doing uh bc wanted to move to the quarterback room here obviously we know harburg has the ankle injury um i maybe i'm out of line here i don't i don't think he's playing this week based on that injury and his skill set uh we know jeff sims is the only one that's actually healthy uh, but it sounds like Chubba Purdy can go as they split reps this week. Um, if you had to put money on it, who, who's your starting quarterback uh, at taking that first snap in Madison? If I put my Toyota Rav on it, um, <laughs> I would say it's got a hundred. 1,000 miles now, so I don't know how, how much it's, it's valued hey, at. You're but probably I would get like Jeff three, four, three, four grand on that baby, right? Yeah, so it's something. Um, so you think I, Jeff I would Sims say though? Jeff, yeah, I kind of do. Um, not for sure. Uh, you know, I like uh, the how game Purdy was to the moment on Saturday. Um, I can't say that um, there, there's been a lot of people in my timeline who are kind of fired up and like you got to go the Chubba route now. You got to see what Chubba can offer. And um, I'm not. I would love to see like, hey, if Chubba Purdy got a chance and he just balled out, I'd be the f- happiest person in the world to write a story like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'm just not in the crowd that thinks like he- it's obvious that you just go that route. You know, like I- I've so- seen data from every quarterback that's in that room now that leaves me uncomfortable about how it could go, um, and they're going to have to break trends uh, for Nebraska to probably win up there. But I would say Sims maybe because he's more healthy. I've always thought like Sims had the the higher ceiling there, but it doesn't matter if you're turning the ball over every five or six plays. So he's got to somehow get past that. I honest to goodness thought, guys, we were maybe going to get a little bit of a redemption arc for Jeff Sims after a few plays last Saturday. He like, kind of yeah. came out for that first series. It was like, okay, he's, he was firing it. You could see how quick the ball comes out of his hands. And a good they 27. And then after that fourth and two got blown up, it just it just went the other way. And those two plays, the last two turnovers he had were just so disheartening because it was but both of them were just errors on un, force. So I'm nervous about their situation there. I just don't know what the obvious answer is. I'd probably start Sims and I'd have uh, Purdy like ready to roll, 
you know, a quarter in if it's not going hot. BC, uh, we've heard a lot. You make that one play, and that's the one to win the game. But should this team and staff be thinking about playing to win or focusing on playing it safe? I know that sounds ridiculous, but with a, with a team uh, with all the offensive issues, it's a revolving door of off- offensive issues, taking the points versus taking a shot has to be front of mind right now, right? Yes, uh, I, I understood what they're saying, and there is truth to that within, I think, the context of a game. But I think in that specific moment, I fall in the crowd that, and I, I try to always not say or write things that I didn't think in the moment. And when Nebraska was facing third and goal at the seven, I was standing next to Mike Babcock in the lobby because we just come down the elevator, and I was muttering to him, I was like, "They just got to get three points here. You know, you got to get three, at least get the three. Put your defense out there." So that was my thought in the moment. That doesn't mean I'm some bright guy, but I, I was just nervous about, um, you know, we whenever that ball goes in the air, you don't necessarily expect good things to happen right now. And especially in a condensed space, when you have 22 athletic dudes in a 20-yard uh, space on the football field, whenever you get inside their red zone like that, it's just you got to be really precise or bad things happen at any level, including the NFL. And so that's why, um, to your question, Andrew, I think the biggest thing is uh, getting those bowl win or bowl practices right now. And if taking three points there can help you uh, do that and build that winning culture, um, that's the biggest thing that's out there to 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 claim that. So for that specific play, I didn't agree with what they did. Um, for the like general thought of within a game, you've got to, you can't just like curl up in a ball in the corner of the room. I get that too. And so they do have to operate, but, um, I think there are moments where you gotta, you gotta pick and choose there. BC, do you think, I, so I, I get what you're saying for sure, but I also kind of have this, <laughs> I kind of have this pushback reaction where we think that, okay, if they had chosen to run the ball, then they have no chance of scoring a touchdown there. And that seems to be what mm-hmm. people are insinuating by being like, well, you're either playing for three or you're passing the ball. It's like, well, Nebraska's actually better at running the football. Like, is it, isn't there a decent yeah. argument to be made that they had a better chance scoring a touchdown by running it three times as opposed to throwing ever? <laughs> yeah, that may, it might that might be the case, too. I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, too. I'm just saying on the like third and goal on the seven, in most cases with most teams, you'd be like, yeah, that you're throwing it like you're watching an NFL game on Sunday or some of the teams that are, uh, um, you know, rolling at a high level in college offenses. You'd be like, yeah, that's a throw situation and you'll see what happens. And if not, they'll kick the field goal. Sure. Um, but you're right. Nebraska probably, you know, they're stronger up front. Um, you know, I do think when you got the context afterwards or clarification that the first down play was supposed to be a handoff. Right. And not not a pass. Um, maybe that that helped in some people's minds because they at least knew, OK, the first two were supposed to be runs. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think there was a, a general sense that within this fan base, which is savvier than people give it credit for um, right now, as it's the old Tom Osborne uh, philosophy, when you throw the ball, there's three things that can happen and two of them are bad. And it feels like right now it's like. <laughs> Two, it's like two and a half of the three things they can. You almost want to raise it if you can, if that's possible to play at the numbers. Like two of a half, two and a half out of three things are bad. There's nothing good. Almost it seems like can happen. 
BC, uh, Sat felt the best days, or at least I, I shouldn't even say felt, he feels the best days are up ahead for this, for this quarterback room. Question is, is that next year or is that this season? Because this team is running out of time if he is insinuating that, hey, the best days are up ahead for this quarterback room with only two games left. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I think when he answered that, um, there it was a thought for the offense as a whole, and I do think there's thinking beyond this year involved in that answer. It's it's like stuff is growing this year with a lot of young players, and we believe as you get into the next season, um, that's going to start to to look pretty good. Um, that's frustrating though, if you're fans. I get it. I mean, this, it's ultra frustrating until they get the sixth win. This is what everything comes back to. And that's why everybody's so anxious around here right now. And that's why uh, your timeline and my timeline probably after um, Saturday's game was a hot mess. Cause it's just like people are, they saw like, there it is on the doorstep. They're going to get to that bowl game. That's the step. And then you go from there. And when there's obvious stuff that where Nebraska just gets it in its own way, and you think they could have done something differently and it doesn't happen, um, it, emotions are going to run pretty high. Uh, but to Satterfield's point, he's got they have to keep building confidence within those young guys in all public comments and when they're talking to them like, this is going, this is tracking right. And um, there's, there is good young talent there. They, at the wide receiver spots, those guys could be really good in a year. Like Emmett Johnson's an impressive uh, young player when he's being called on. And I like some of the young linemen. So what they're saying is not um, it's not completely out there in left field, uh, but they got to get the quarterback. They got I mean, if you don't have that, um, you can't change that conversation or some one of those quarterbacks. And people are very skeptical. Of this is going to have to develop in a very large way over the course of the next 10 months. Can it happen in two games? I don't necessarily see it. I don't but. either. BC, you mentioned that quarterback room. Uh, moving forward and, you know, cause I, I agree with both of you. I don't know that the next two games are going to show much different out of that room. Uh, how many of the guys that are currently there do you think are there next year? And how many guys do you think they're going to bring in from the portal to compete for that job? So it's the, it's the million dollar question. I'm, it's always a tough one to answer. Cause I, especially in the college level, I guess I, I try to have that line. Like what, what do you talk about? What do you not talk about? I don't like to kick guys off the campus sometimes, you know, like specifically, but I would be surprised if everybody stands pat. Um, you know, it's just, just the way it is. We saw last year, how unlikely that is. Um, I would think someone like Harburg will be in the competition still next year, you mm -hmm. know, a Nebraska native and, uh, that's probably the obvious one. And then I think there's got to be some entry on the outside, at least one who is a serious entry where like when it, when you see the headline, everybody's like, Oh, okay. And they start to get excited around Christmas time or what, you know, whatever, like that's going to, that could be something. So I do feel like there's got to be one, one guy, at least like that. If you can get two, um, I wouldn't be against it um, by any means. Now that's difficult. It's hard to get, at that position to convince uh, multiple people to come from the outside in at the same time. Um, you know, but th there, there does have to be someone else, I think to enter this mix and uh, shake things up. Um, Cause 
I know we've seen data. We have data in front of us on all the people. We're not talking out of turn here. We've we've watched the turnovers pile up, and it's it, right now it's standing in the way of Nebraska probably having seven wins or so. It it is. I mean, this could be that kind of season right now, and that position has uh has has not met the bar that you have to have to to win at this level. Well, a big reason for the potential to even get to seven wins is Coach Rule. And if we go one step uh, back from Coach Rule, you get to Trev Alberts. And yesterday we heard Trev get his extension, BC. And not only just for that hire, but Trev's done some, some pretty good things in his short stint at Nebraska so far. Volleyball day being included, keeping Hoiberg on staff, and then expressing change and that happening too. Just how deserving is it, one, for him to get uh, that extension, and two, how – important is it to lock down somebody that has a good grasp on the athletic department and and just like a smart person in that role because you know some athletic departments out there aren't run very smoothly or properly but Trev seems like somebody that has been able to do that at Nebraska I think the biggest thing with that right now is I sense Trev Alberts has a strong ability to connect with his peers and the the higher level people in the league and that means everything right now this is an unstable time in college athletics and you you need a leader who understands that who understands the stakes of what's going on um and establishing your brand right now as one of those 50 to 50 if if this is going to break off like some people think it's going to at whatever point and it's going to be like those you know basically your premier league type teams and your teams that aren't, you know, your 50 teams that are and the others that aren't Nebraska's got to make sure they're on the right side of that. And you, so I think it is important to have that, that person who understands what's at play. He's spoken publicly about that. He, he knows um, the moment that Nebraska's in, he knows they've got to win football games here uh, more and more, but he also knows like the volleyball day in Nebraska was a cool event around here obviously where people are going to remember that for a long time but he knows what that meant as far as branding too like it says to everybody else like look at what they're doing at nebraska they're they they take chances they're innovative they do stuff outside the box and they think big like that and he knows that stuff matters so i think the fact that he's ambitious like that and he connects with his peers in this time is very critical and the biggest thing will be if that football program and the coach he hired can win some more games and also the stadium project i mean that's that is a project of all projects that most you know ad's would never attempt and a lot a lot's going to come back to how that comes together and if it works and if it you know 10 to 15 years from now we're like man that's a special place over there bc you've got about a minute left here uh, for all the positive things that we mentioned about what trev has done and the projects he's working on and stuff like that i mean if we're being totally honest, we're going to judge this extension three years from now on how many wins the football team has, right? Like, that's it? It's. I think it's a top one, yes. Um, because if the if football if football's like eight-plus consistently a few years from now, eight wins, and you're like, you know, and they're thinking about ten wins some seasons and better than that, then, yeah, everything will be fine with the branding because that's the biggest part of branding in college athletics. I mean, it's the thing that everybody across the country pays attention to. Like a person in Boise, Idaho, 
um, is aware of like uh, who's ranked where and a person over in this part of the country knows what's going on and who's up and who's down in college football. So yeah, that's the biggest one. The stadium project is I think close and the connection with peers is important, but yes, football has to rise up and everything else I think can fall into place with it. Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7 BC. We'll talk to you again next week. Yep, thanks, guys. Thanks, BC. That's our guy, Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Kevin Suits from 1011 News SJ. in Lincoln. See what we can find out about what's going on in the capital city here on Herd Out Sports Radio.